to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Anything happened this week? That's what Jesus said. You know, think about it. You know, the day that he rose again from the dead, as he was uh, walking on the road to Emmaus with the two guys, you know, and and he's walking along and he goes, hey, so what are you guys talking about? Oh, well, we're talking about everything's been going on in the city. Jesus said, what's been going on? What's happening? You know, as if he didn't know. And they go, are you uh, the only stranger in the whole area? You don't know what's going on? And it, it really kind of likens under the situation right here. What's been going on in the United States of America this week, you know? Um, I'll have a little bit more to say in the message, but I, I will say this. Um, we're at a place of crossroads in our country right now. I think everybody, I'm not saying anything that is shocking to anyone or revelatory to anyone. You know, we're, we're at a crossroads in our country. Our, our country is in a position where uh, if we don't watch it, we're going to be divided to a point of, of uh, you know, potential civil war and we've got to be careful um, with where we are. And if you are one that is sorry for what just happened in our country um, pray for you we'll pray for you uh, if you are happy because of what has happened in this country we'll, we'll pray for you also I mean here's the thing I, am I happy in the direction yeah I am I am you, am I supposed to talk politically from the pulpit eh, I, can, I can talk a little bit politically from the pulpit I am more excited than not. But let me just preface this by saying, I do not put my hope or my trust in any man. Um, We picked the lesser of two evils in the midst of all of this. And uh, we've got somebody that that, uh, should not have even been running for president in there in the first place um, because of the corruption uh, in her in her life and in her past and if the constitution was followed uh, she would not have been able to be um, just even out of her own mouth the things that has happened and what she has done she would not have been able to run but uh, we have have overlooked that. The FBI and the Department of Justice overlooked that. When we look at uh, Donald Trump, we we see a man who has been a a narcissist, and that's stating something very lightly. Now, I know that there are those that say that he has been, he's gotten saved. I don't know. I don't know the man. I can't speak to his, whether or not he's saved or whether he is not. One thing I do know is that we are a country that is absolutely on the verge of a, a division 
that can possibly not be healed. And I don't know that a man can do it. I'm not looking for a man to do it. Um, you know, we were talking in the men's breakfast yesterday and Kevin posed the question, well, so what now? Now that we have Donald Trump in the White House, what do we do as the church? And the answer was, what we were doing in the church before Donald Trump was elected. That's what we should have been doing. That's what we should have been doing. That's what we should be doing. There are some of you that have been very vocal uh, regarding what candidate you wanted to be in the, the White House. Many of you that have been very vocal uh, about what and who should occupy that space. There's many in the, in the, the church that have been incredibly vocal. Um, and I have no problem with that. I have no problem with you being vocal politically. I, I guess the, the conviction to me, and I don't know if it has been to you, is there have been people that have been willing to lay aside their friendships and family members for a political president that is only in there for four to maximum eight years. What change can happen? We don't know. We don't really know. But it's a temporary position and people have placed friendships and family on the line and saying, hey, you don't like it? Be gone. But many in the church are afraid to talk about Jesus Christ to these same family and friends because they're afraid that they're going to be rejected. And I, I think that that's an indictment upon the church. I think that's an indictment. I think that if we had the same passion and the same fervency that we had in the church to vote a, a man into the White House if you voted for Donald Trump, if we had that same passion and fervency to tell people about Jesus Christ, things would be a lot different today. I think today would be a lot different. I don't say that to beat down on us, but I think that that should be, as a pastor, I need to say those things. I need to, I need to challenge us in those types of things because here's the thing. Take a self-examination. Have you been more vocal about the, 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 the political temperature that is going on in the country right now than you have ever been for Jesus Christ? And this is for a temporal leader, a narcissist at best, and yet you have in your back pocket Jesus Christ. And I don't mean to, to make light of Jesus being in the back pocket. The point is, is that you have Christ with you at all times. Christ is the answer. Christ is the answer. I mean, that is the answer. Our commission is to, as Jesus said to us, go into all the world and preach the good news. Tell the people about who it is that I am. Tell the people about what it is that I have done. Tell the people about where they were, are going unless they understand what it is that I am and who it is that I am and how much I love them. Tell them. Tell them. This is a matter of, of not just life and death here on the earth, but this is, this is a matter of eternal consequence. Go into the world and, and know this, you're not going to go in by yourself. You remember that whole area back in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16 where Jesus is talking about, listen, 
it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, I, I can't send the Holy Spirit to you, the Comforter, the Parakletos, the one who comes alongside of you and, and convicts you and, 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 and helps you to know what to say and opens your mouth and gives you the strength and gives you the power and gives you the words to say to those that are in the world that are so lost without me. If I don't go away, I can't send him to you. But if I do go away, I'm going to send him to you. He right now is with you, but he will be in you, in you, and he'll, he'll, do, my, he'll do my bidding through you. No longer will the Holy Spirit be working only through me, Jesus says. You know, Jesus was intending to, inferring in that time. No longer will He only be in this one area, wherever I am, but He will be in you, and no longer in one location, but He will be spread upon the face of the earth. And right now, we have it here in Sarasota. We have the Holy Spirit here in Sarasota. And the point is, are we being faithful to the Great Commission? of the true commander-in-chief. Of the true commander-in-chief. Uh, I thought it interesting that if you're on our Facebook site, um, maybe you happen to see this. Something I, I, I guess I wrote back in 2012 around the Easter time. And I look at it as a battle cry for us today in the church. I thought, how apropos. I need to read, I need to read this to you guys. I need, to, I need to, to share this because this speaks to us. It spoke to me today. Something that I wrote a long time ago, it, it, it spoke to me. I'm going, wow. You know, I really needed to hear this. After Imperial Japan attacked the United States of America with suicide bombers and airplanes in Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, Japanese Admiral Isoruku Yamamoto is claimed to have said about the United States, quote, I fear all we have done is to awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with a terrible resolve. End quote. I, I write, I sense this is beginning to happen in the church of Jesus Christ, regardless of your denomination. I see that the enemy has picked and picked and with each and every single attack on the church, the Bible, the teachings, and influence of Jesus, the enemy is awakening a sleeping giant. People are beginning to open their eyes to the onslaught of attacks on Christianity and that are becoming more brazen and in more frequency and abundance. And the unexpected and unintended result is that the Spirit of God is being stirred deeply in the hearts of his people, and an incredible resolve is beginning to awaken to life, an unprecedented passion and boldness for Christ and God's people. The sword of the Spirit of God is rattling and being raised for the ultimate battle against the schemes of the devil. Devil, What is the battle? It is for the eternal lives of our fellow man, our loved ones, our friends, acquaintances, and our neighbors. I don't want to see one more soul lost to an eternity separated from God. I will stand in the gap for the lost and show them Jesus who will alter their eternity, who will save them from the clutches of the enemy and set them free. I will spend and be spent for the loving and unashamed cause of Jesus Christ that was so important to him that he hung on a cross and he died and he rose again simply to give this opportunity of life to any who would receive him. 
It is why I proclaim today that I will no longer, quote, count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. What say you? Today is the day, Christian brother or sister, to rise up and wield the sword and go on the offensive against the enemy and fight, if need be, to the death for the lives of our loved ones and those that God places in our paths. Not one more soul lost, not on our watch. Rise up today in the power of the Spirit of God and ask your true commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, what would you have me to do in this moment? What would you have me to re- who would you have me to reach in this day, my Lord? I am your servant, Lord, and I am at your service. Oh, that the church would rise up today. Lord, let it be done. Amen. Father, we come before you, and Lord, I know that there are pastors trying to make sense this day of what is the role of the church. Help and empower each pastor to passionately represent you. Help each pastor to give hope. True hope and true change. Not a political hope and change, but a spiritual alteration that would take a man's life, a woman's life, a child's life, and rescue it from the clutches of a fiery hell. For it is the most worthy endeavor that you have called your soldiers, your children, your sheep, to attack, to fulfill, to be obedient to, Father, I pray that as you speak into the hearts of the pastors here in the United States and in the the nations today, that you would impart by the power of your Holy Spirit a new call, a rise to arms, spiritual arms, that we would take on this battle and recognize that it is for this time that we have been raised up to go out and represent you and to to do battle in the world even when it's hard Lord even when it's tough even when we may be rejected for some of us it didn't slow us down when we were being rejected for a political pundit that was seeking a political office We were willing to to be embarrassed. We were willing to take the shame for a man or a woman. God, may we have the same passion and even more so for you. I pray that for your church, Lord, not just this local body right here of Calvary Chapel Christian Fellowship, but I pray that for your true church, not just in these United States of America, but also throughout the world. Lord, may this be our finest hour. God, may this be our finest hour. Empower us that we would go out and fulfill your great commission. May we see many people saved in the coming days and in the coming weeks. May it be a revival. God, among not just Sarasota, but Florida, the United States, and the nations of the world. God, may we see a true awakening 
in this world one more time, Lord, and bigger than it's ever been before. God, may we witness and be a part of such an incredible sight of seeing people come to know you by the droves. God, use us. Please, God, use us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 13. I'll try to finish up today. I'm sure I will. Uh, We have looked at uh, over the last few weeks. uh, Kevin spoke last week and and, uh, thank you, Pastor Kevin. Um, And... Hannah and Josh and, and Christine lead worship last week. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome to be able to, to, to see that and have that happen. Um, but as I've gone through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's a very well-known passage. And one thing that I've tried to lay out was that no matter what we do, something that Paul was attempting to do with the, with the Corinthian church was to say no matter what you do in life, no matter what stance you take, no matter how uh, you exercise gifts, you know, no matter how you have tumult in in the church, no matter what is going on, much if not all of that can be alleviated and removed, problems can be removed if you operate yourself from a foundation of love. It's what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about. Everything has got to be, everything that we say, everything that we do, everything that we, we are should all be birthed and be attached to and anchored to a foundation of love. For love is kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. And and love does not parade itself. And it's not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. Let it be the foundation of the church. If there ever was a time for this to be a mantra of the church, it's right now. There are those out there really just pouring down on some Democrats that are out there that are hurting because their candidate didn't win. And it's a time for the church to either rise to the occasion and be Christians or sink low and and slam things back into somebody's face. That's not love. That's not love. That's not love. We have got to be willing to truly be people of love. If we're representing Christ, if you're a Christian... You ask yourself this question. The taunting that you're giving someone, if Jesus were standing right next to you, would you be just as bold to say it? We've got to be careful. 
Here's the thing. Some of those that are spewing the most poison on the other, on the other side of the aisle. Have you ever thought and looked at it this way? Those that you, you almost have a, 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 a point, and listen, I'm speaking to myself here too. Don't think that I'm just talking to you, man. I'm talking to me too. And I'm talking to anybody who's listening to this right now. Do you know that what you're saying about that person, you're saying that against, maybe it's a girl, maybe it's a guy, maybe it's a she guy, I don't know. Well, whatever that person is, that's God's kid. That God is desperately trying to reach before he, she, or it makes a fatal decision for eternity. It's for that person that Jesus Christ died. It's for that person that, that Paul writes, God demonstrated his own agape, unconditional, sacrificial love in that while they were in that condition, Jesus Christ died so that they, they could have an opportunity to receive him. It's not just for, for you, and it's not just for me. You might look at that, well, you know, I know. Hey, we know in our minds, we know that, hey, there's nothing really good in me that would warrant Christ dying for me. I mean, there's no good in me. We know the right terms. We know the right ways. We know the right the what what the Bible says about who we are. Ah yeah, there's my my good deeds are like as filthy rags. But do we really believe it? Do we think that hey, you know, hey. I can see that God picked me. I know that we don't think that. But our actions might speak differently when we look at others and we think, no, I want, I want them to pay for what they've done. I want them to... Listen, vengeance is not yours. Right now, there are many of these people on the other side that are weeping because a woman who is corrupt in and of herself. I have no business, I have no qualms about saying something like that from the pulpit from here. And I'm sorry if you disagree with me on that. I mean, the evidence is just overwhelming. And the thing is, they're weeping because she was not elected. If anything, they are at a most critical time in their life because they were looking at a woman at a person at a political not just a woman they were looking at a political person to bring them happiness the only one that can truly bring happiness is Jesus Christ they're at a place a crucial place in their life I, I love weddings I did a wedding yesterday I think uh, you know, they gave me 25 minutes. I can't say my name in 25 minutes. <laughs> it, here's the thing. 25 minutes. I go, okay, that's for me. My message? No, 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 no. That's for you. That's for us walking down and then lining up, you doing everything that you do and then we all walk back out and by the time we're back out it has to start in 25, 4.30 and at 4.55 you need to be done. 
thinking, woof. Okay, I don't even know if the, the vows can come out in 25. That's going to be tough. All right, well, I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. All right, then I got out to the field club where we had the wedding, a beautiful place, by the way. All right, well, where are they walking out at? Oh, they're walking out over there. The distance they had to walk was about from here to Solorzano's Pizza. <laughs> Downstairs, on, on, on some sidewalk that walked out past you know, a bunch of, a, you know, a hedge of, of, of uh, ficus bush, and then they had to walk probably from about halfway from, you know, distance from here to Solorzano's, the rest of the way on really thick, spongy, uneven St. Augustine grass. Real heavy. And they had to walk that, you know. And it started with the grandparents. And it's like, go, 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 you know, go, 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 you know. And, and, and here's the thing, it's supposed to start at 4.30. I'm at the door, I'm opening the doors, I'm saying, come on, Grandma, you gotta go, you gotta go. And the... And the I'm sorry, I, I was. You gotta go. You gotta start now. And and the the wedding coordinator at Field Club goes, oh oh oh, hey hey, can we hang on for just one second? I gotta go get the girls and, and bring them down. It'll only take one minute. I said, do you know it's 4:30? It says 4:30 sharp. I got 25 minutes. And these people all gotta walk down two miles, and walk back two miles, and I've gotta be able to say something. I gotta get this thing done. She goes, oh, it'll only take a couple minutes. Yeah, just a minute, just a minute. It's real fast. So she goes. She lied. Five times over, she lied. It didn't take a minute. It's five minutes past. And I, I leave the door and I go over and I'm listening and I can hear the girls talking up at the top of the elevator. They're still on the other floor. I'm like, come on, we got to go. Finally, they come down. 435, 40, 436. They're coming down and I'm going, where's the bride? Oh, well, she and the flower girls had to go to the bathroom. A woman in the bathroom in a wedding dress. A bride in a bathroom in a wedding dress. I'm thinking, this is not working well. I've got to be done now. And why do I have to be done? Because it gets dark very quickly and they need to take all of their pictures outside. It's an outside wedding. And so I have no air, you know, room for error. So at 4.38, we finally... Grandma was let go at 4.38. I'm thinking... I've got 20, well, I'm, I'm supposed to have, what, 18 minutes or, or uh, something like that, you know, uh, to, you know, be done. Uh, you know, I had my phone. I don't do this, but I had my phone. I put it on don't shut down, and I had a, 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 uh, an alarm clock on there. It wasn't on, but it was, it was constantly in front of me. It was ruining my page of my Bible because it was moving all around. And I'm sitting there watching this time just click away. And I'm going, this is not going to happen. Well, we did get done at 4.58. So I don't know if it was a wedding. I, I don't really even know what I said. Other than we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That was something that she wanted to, to say. And it was these, you know, first, these, these few verses. Love is patient, love is kind, all the way to love never fails. And I talked about the various forms of love, you know, storge, family love, phileo, the brotherly love, like I did with you, eros is the sensual love. And then agape love, the unconditional love. And as I, I shared this with them, <clears throat> I said, hey, here's the thing, 
If you ever have a problem, this is where I'm bringing it back to where we are. If you ever have a problem of understanding or wondering what does sacrificial love look like, you must just, you only have to, it's very simple. We just need to go back and look at Jesus Christ. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he sits down at the right hand of the Father today. That God demonstrated that love, that agape love, in that while we were still in our sins, he sent his son to die on a cross, not because we were anything. And so when you and I, when we live our lives and we go out from this building today and we go and interact with our co-workers and the, and the, the grocery store clerks and, and the people that we're going to be around this day, this week, we must be Jesus Christ to these people. They've got to see Jesus because their life hangs in the balance. And can we take on the challenge? Listen, no more, not on our watch. You've heard me say so many times that if there was a line all the way from Solar Rosanos, let's just use them today, all the way to this wall right here, and every person was upon this line, ever lived upon the face of the earth, that all the way down there, Adam and Eve are eating Solar Zano's pizza, we're all the way over here. I think that we're right here. I think that this is us. This is the end. I think we're right here. And that God handpicked out of all of these people that he had an opportunity to, to pick. He picked you and I to represent him in these last days. I don't want to fail. I don't want you to fail. This can be our finest hour. We have people that are open to find and hear. You know, it's not a political figure that can give us life. It's not a political figure that's not going to save us. No. Hillary can't save you. Donald definitely can't save you. But Jesus Christ can. Jesus Christ can. I'm not saying that we don't get, you know, that you aren't happy about some of the decisions that may be being made. Good. Neat. But don't forget your great commission. Don't forget your marching orders. Your true commander-in-chief has already set the orders. We just need to follow him. But we need to follow him launching from his foundation. And his foundation is love. 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 For love never fails. Love will never fail. Where there are prophecies, he says in verse 8, they'll fail. Whether there are tongues, they'll cease. Whether there is knowledge, it'll vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, Paul says, I put away childish things. I look at this and I'm going, my goodness, Lord, you're speaking to me right now, aren't you? You're speaking to us. We've got to grow up. We've got to grow up in the church. We've got to grow up. We've got to come to full maturity. If you've been walking with the Lord for more than six months, you should be more mature. We should be mature. We should know what our call is. 
I won't say that you should be more. I mean, you might be great right now, you know, and, and growing the way you're supposed to be growing. But my goodness, are we fulfilling the, the call that Christ has given to us? Are we fulfilling his call? And I, I look at this, and I, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I, I thought as a child. I understood as a child. There came a day that I grew up, and I became a man. And when I became a man, I put away the childish things. I stopped doing the childish things. I don't, I'm not going to throw temper tantrums. I need to take on the one whom I'm emulating. I just found out today uh, on Facebook that a, that a guy that I've looked up to, and he doesn't even know it, a guy I've looked up to my whole life, you all wouldn't even know him. Well, I don't know, if you're really truly a diehard Buck fan, you might know. The fellow's name was Greg Horton. He just passed away, I just found out. Greg went to my high school long before I was there. But I was best friends with the head coach of our high school football team, Paul Womack, who's passed away also. He was like a second dad to me. And his son, Daryl, was my best friend growing up. We were best friends. And so it was cool because I always got to go down on the field on, you know, back when I was a little kid, man, I got to ride the bus over with the high school football players, you know, to our stadium. You know, it was awesome being around the football players all the time. But one of the cool things and some of the perks that I got by hanging out with Daryl a lot is that, you know, some of the players that grew up in our town would go, you know, into larger, you know, in, into the next level and so on and so forth. Greg Horton was one of those guys. He was drafted by the Rams and he went to Colorado, University of Colorado Buffaloes. He then went to the Rams and he was drafted there and he was a guard for them. And one of the perks that I had being Daryl's friend, is that Greg would always leave tickets for Paul and his family uh, at Will Call, and so we could go and go to the games for free. But what was cool is that not only would we go to the games for free, but after the game was over, we'd go to the gate, and they'd, they'd you know, where they stop you, where the team goes in, we go, oh, well, Greg Horton has, you know, Given us the, the okay to come in. What's your name? Oh, oh, you're here on this list. Yeah, come on in. And so you walk past all those people and you go down and you get in and you just kind of look it back and not be Jesus. Ha ha ha. You know, uh, but you walk past them all and you go down there where all the football players are. You going down there and, and this is back in the days of Vince Paragamo, you know, those kind of guys, you know, and Larry Brooks and, and, you know, Lawrence McCutcheon, you know, and you're going down and you're, you're, you're looking at these guys and you're, you're down there and as a little kid, that made an impression. And, and, and the thing that I remember about Greg is that even though I was a little kid, even though Daryl was a little kid, he always took time for us to talk to us. And it wasn't, it wasn't a bother. Here's a man who had achieved the pinnacle of where I was hoping one day to be. I wanted to be an NFL football player one day. And God had a different plan for me. He made both of my brothers six foot two and me five foot nine. And my brothers quit playing football in high school. I've slapped them both a lot of times for that. But here's the thing. 
to sit there and to see a man that, that I, I, I looked at and I'm going, you've done it, you've made it. Even as a little kid, just awestruck at the size, just the simple size of this man was just huge. And as a little kid, you know, we know Reg, Reggie, you know. You stand next to Reggie, I don't care how big you are, you're small. You're small. There's a time with we were over at the other uh, church uh, at, at on Meadow Creek Lane where Reggie picked me up one time like a rag doll. Me. Kind of just twirled me around and threw me up on his shoulders and I'm just going, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, okay, all right. And, and I tackled him and I said, all right, I'm going to do the same thing to you. And I... I, I I got down really low in his waist, and he goes, Doozle, don't do it, don't do it. I'm going, yeah, 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 I'm doing it. And I picked him up, and he goes, Doozle, let me down, let me go. And I picked him up. I was six foot. I was five nine after I got done putting him back down. But I, I took him from the, the sound room all the way up to the pulpit. I'm, I'm doing this. He's going, Doozle, put me down. I'm, no. I'm not going to do it. Now, he was throwing me around. He was a, he's, a, he's a strong guy. But this is Greg. Looking at this guy, he's just huge. He was an example. And he took time for me. He took time for us. And I, I look at that and I go, you know, in a very worldly way, he was, and I don't want to get too crazy out there, but he became a, a, a Christ type of a fixture to me in that, again, don't, don't spiritualize, this, spiritualize this more than what we're doing right now. He became an example. He showed, I don't care how far along in life you, you, you go, you always have time, even for the most insignificant, which I and Daryl were. He talked to us like he cared. And as, as that news came to me today, that Greg passed away. By the way, he played for the Bucks too, back in 1979. And of all people, of all teams, he lost to the Los Angeles Rams in the, in the, uh, you know, the, the playoffs you know, to go to the Super Bowl. The two teams that he played for in the NFL. He was on a team that had the, the least amount of sacks in a season on Doug Williams. I think it was 13 sacks Doug Williams had the whole season long. The Bucks get 13 sacks every week today. Here's it, not really, but here's the thing. He was an example. And, and for you and I, I look at that and I go, wow, that's kind of a little appropriate for me today to see that. Because if I'm going to grow up in my Christianity and I stop being a child... I'm going to grow up in my Christianity and I'm going to emulate Christ. And I'm going to reach out to those who I may in my worldly life or in my worldly opinions might be insignificant. I'm going to step beyond that. I'm going to move beyond that. And in the foundation and from the foundation of love, always anchored to the foundation of love given to me through the Holy Spirit by God, I'm going to love people who, to me, I might consider insignificant. I might think, you deserve to be 
taunted. You deserve to be hurt. You deserve all of this calamity that's coming down upon you. And that's never been Jesus. That's not Jesus. You are not going to win that person to Christ. I promise you. We must rise above that. We must be mature. We must grow up. We must reach out to the what we would consider the unlovable. And we must show them Jesus. That's who we are. That's who we need to be. That's who we are supposed to be. We need to grow up. We need to mature. And when you do that, something happens. Oh, you might be turned away. You might be ridiculed at times. But there will be some that will be moved because you have done what Jesus has done. You reach them in spite of them. That's exactly what he did for you. He didn't pick you because you were, ah, you could be a good asset to me. He picked you because he loved you. Just as much as he loves those that we might think are insignificant and are not worthy. I'm unworthy. You're unworthy. There is not one worthy person upon the face of the earth. We've got to grow up. We've got to grow up. There is, there's a whole other message in this passage of whether or not tongues are applicable today or prophecies are applicable today. I'm not going to get into that, to that today because that would take me more time than I have left. So I said I was going to finish 1 Corinthians 13 today and I'm not because I'm going to address that because I think that that is important. I think we need to, to understand about the gifts of the Spirit today and I think we need to address that and I will address that next week. I, I am trying to make an audio commentary on the, the Bible as I'm teaching in front of you. I, I want to be able to tackle hard subjects. Today, this was apropos. We're, we're, we're at a crossroads in our country, but we are at a bigger crossroads as it pertains to us as Christians. Let's rise up be kids anymore this can be your finest hour let's get out of our comfort zone as much as we were out of our comfort zone for a political person let's more so get out of our comfort zone for Jesus amen father thank you so much for today and I pray Lord that as we look at what is going on in this nation this nation is not indivisible right now for there is a division the United States of America is not united right now this world is not united and Lord we will never all be united apart from you one day there truly will be a united kingdom of heaven and there will be true Unification with no divisions, with a true commander in chief that we can follow and be proud that we're following and be vocal. But Lord, until that day comes, may we live as Abraham lived, as pilgrims 
upon a planet knowing that this is not our eternal home. This is a temporary stopping place before we enter into eternity. Lord, as I recall this last week, a dear precious saint of ours from this church who has been a shut-in for the last five or six years. Our own dear Kay, Kay DeRosier, she comes out. She struggles to make it out for our end-of-the-year program or maybe a Christmas Eve at times. But more so our, our talent or lack thereof show and she comes and she laughs and she enjoys the time. But being a shut-in, but staying abreast and listening to messages of ours. She was just as mem- much of a member of our church as anybody else in this room and that she passed away this last week. Lord, when those pass away that we love, if we don't know where they're going, it's heart-wrenching. However, on the other hand, as that was the case with Kay, knowing that she had a relationship with you and knowing that the moment that she stopped struggling with the oxygen that she was just not able to take into her lungs any longer, the struggle of gasping for air, when she sat down and really, or when she, well, she was already laying down, but Lord, when she really began to think about it, there's really nothing else here. You've given her a long life. And she looked upon you and said, you know, heaven is going to be really, really, really great. And then Lord, 24, 36 hours later, she was in your presence. She was ready. When I look at that and I consider death, death is an opportunity, it's a window for us to consider our own mortality. May we, Lord, consider our mortality before you, yes, but Lord, may we also consider the world around us, those that are lost and grasping for something to hold on that is tangible, that will give them hope. They have voted for the last eight years for hope and change and they have not gotten what it is that they wanted. All of us desire hope and change. The true hope and change is going to come through you. May we use this window of opportunity to rise up above where we have always, maybe where we have been in our own Christian walk, Lord. May you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us in this room, those who are listening. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us that we would reach out to this community around us the friends that are around us that we may represent you well that God we may show you and highlight you and lift you up and 
and talk about how you truly are the answer. Ultimately, you are the answer. May we not live in smugness. May we not live in arrogance. May we not live in pride. May we live in you, in humility, recognizing that but for the grace of God, there go I, as John Bradford had coined that phrase. May we, Lord, live for you and reach out to follow your great commission. Empower us to do so, O Lord, and may we do it in your love and in your grace and in your mercy. And then, God, we call for many people to be saved alive. We pray for their souls. We pray for their eternal lives. God, may we passionately and fervently pray for souls from this day forward and not be satisfied if one more person dies apart from you. May you alter and change our lives. Grow us up, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word.